Welcome to the Agent of Wealth podcast with Mark Boudis from Boudis Financial. In this podcast, Mark helps guide you towards financial freedom, ensure you never run out of money, and create a balance in life that prioritizes what is most important to you. Join us for this journey as Mark draws from years of expertise and guest experts to solve the multiple wealth building challenges involved in your financial life. Welcome back to the Agent of Wealth. This is your host, Mark Boudis. On today's show, we're going to talk to Tracy Conan. Tracy's a nationally recognized CPA and forensic accountant and the brains behind the Divorce Money Guide. As a woman in an industry once dominated by men, Tracy's worked tirelessly to raise to the top as one of the most sought-after forensic accountants working in the divorce space. Tracy's passion lies in helping those who feel powerless in their financial situation. By following her carefully laid out steps, people in the process of divorce go from uninformed and overwhelmed to feeling in control of their finances. Tracy, welcome to the show. Mark, thank you for having me. Yeah, so I'm excited about today's topic. I think divorce on my side, I'm seeing a lot more people going through it. And, you know, it's one of those periods of, of time or life changes that can be stressful. Like you said, it can be overwhelming. And I think of, you know, having some guide or structure in place definitely helps. Of course, divorce is one of the most difficult times in someone's life, right? It's one of the most difficult things that they can go through. And certainly issues with children are probably at the top of the hardest parts of divorce, but second is financial. And it creates a lot of stress for people, especially not knowing how the finances are going to work out, maybe being concerned about how they're going to afford to survive after divorce. And one of the issues that is near and dear to me because I'm a forensic accountant and fraud investigator is when people suspect that something potentially has happened to the money, that money is either being hidden, whether there has been secret spending, inappropriate spending, things like that. And so my whole thing was to help empower people in that process of divorce, be able to feel better about the money part of it. Was that niche always something that you had wanted to do, or did you kind of just happen to fall into that? What's interesting about that question is when I started my practice 23 years ago, so I've been a forensic accountant for 25 years, but I started my practice 23 years ago. I intentionally did not do divorce work. I was not interested in it. There are some emotional components to it that can be difficult. But about five years into my business, I got a referral from uh, someone that I, I respect and trust, and it was a very important referral. It was a personal friend of theirs who was going through a divorce, had a lot of money at stake. And so I took that case and realized I was actually really good at dealing with the emotional piece of it and still focusing on the facts and the details of the numbers. So then I did start doing divorce regularly and getting more involved in that. But it's only uh, this year that I've I've really been interested in making forensic accounting more accessible to people because it's so expensive to have a forensic accountant involved in a divorce. And I, I'd like to say that for 95% or maybe even more of people in divorce, they simply can't afford it. The process is already so expensive. And so I came up with this concept to help people kind of do it themselves at a much better cost. So that passion is just this year. Mm -hmm. How common is it that someone is hiding assets going through a divorce? Is it 90% of the, of the time? Is it 50? Or is there like trends that you see? 
Well, it's sort of a trick question because by the time people get to me, they're pretty certain that there has been fraud. So the cases I work on, almost every single one of them ends up with some sort of hidden money. I will say that, you know, for all the divorces out there, if you take the universe of the divorces, I think it is very, very common that people are suspicious that money may be hidden. I think it wouldn't be unreasonable to say, gosh, in 75% of divorces, I bet people are concerned that there's been hidden money. Now, how many of those turn out to actually have hidden money? We don't know because I think so many people are not having the opportunity to dig into it. They don't know where they would start to look for hidden money. So who knows how many cases it's actually true. I'll say my gut says that probably there's a lot of them. When you're getting divorced, things have gone south in the marriage. And I think that money is naturally one of those pieces that goes south and someone starts spending on things that they shouldn't and things like that. Whether they're hiding boatloads of money in a secret account, maybe not necessarily that much, but certainly as the marriage deteriorates, I think it's pretty common for there to be spending that the spouse wouldn't approve of or doesn't know about. You mentioned something interesting, that you actually empower the person to to be able to do this themselves. Now, do you recommend that everyone takes the approach, or would they have to have some kind of suspicion or an inkling that something is being hidden from them? I love that question. I feel like you are setting me up for that one, because really, <laughs> anyone in the process of divorce can and should use the Divorce Money Guide, because... Yes, when I created it, I started working on it. It was all about fraud and it was all about, you know, people who had suspicions about the money. But as I was beta testing it with people, I was realizing that it is so good for people who have not been involved in the finances in their marriage. Because let's say uh, you're a woman who's been a stay at home mom for the last 12 years. Your husband has been the breadwinner and has been in control of the family's finances, has paid all the bills and taken care of it because that's just the way you divided the duties. You're now getting divorced and you say, I want to know what's been going on with the money. Where is that woman going to start? It is, for most of them, very overwhelming. If I said, well, start by going to get your bank statements, you would be surprised maybe how many people would say to me, how do I do that? So this guide walks people through the process from the very beginning of what documents do you need, exactly how you get them, what to do with them. So if you wanted to just understand your finances and say, you know what, I just want to know for the last year what our money has been spent on, the guide would walk you through exactly how to understand that. And is there sometimes trouble getting documents, you know, whether maybe it's like a spouse's social security record or a pension record or something that, you know, maybe hasn't been titled jointly and maybe they don't have access to or they don't even know that exists. I mean, that's the extreme part, but even something that maybe they know is there, but how would they get access to that? That's a great question. What usually happens in the divorce is your attorney will ask the other side to produce these documents, give us these account statements, give us these pension documents. And if they don't respond, the way that we get them is through a subpoena. So a subpoena is a legal document that says, you know, dear bank, there is a case in court right now. This is a legal request for you to turn over all bank documents for accounts in this party's name. Ultimately, with that subpoena, it's pretty easy. A subpoena is very routine. Attorneys do it all the time in divorce cases. In fact, I see some cases that I get involved in where the attorneys are saying, well, we've been requesting documents from the other side, and we've been waiting and waiting, and they're not giving us the things. And I'm saying, 
why are we waiting to send a subpoena? Let's just go ahead and subpoena those documents from the banks, from the investment company. Let's get what we need right away because it's so such a simple way to do it. And is the subpoena broad enough that says turn over everything or is it does it have to specifically say account XYZ at bank XYZ or is it blanket enough to say everything? It can be very specific, but it could also be broad. So typically, it, if we know of accounts that exist, we will list out those accounts, but then also say, and any other account in this person's name, so that if there were other accounts that we weren't aware of, that those would be provided to us as well. And would this fall under, I guess, the fraud aspects? So let's say there is an account that's not even on the tax return and kind of no one knows about it. Is there any way to kind of uncover those types of accounts? People talk about there being some sort of database of all the bank accounts and, and someone could go to that database and consult it and find my spouse's bank accounts. Yeah, that doesn't exist. There are private investigators out there who talk about, I can find hidden bank accounts. I will caution people against that because they're typically using illegal means to find those accounts. Here's the right way to find them. If you are aware of names of banks that you've heard your spouse talk about, that you've seen mail come to the house from, that you have some sort of clue, you don't know of an account at Wells Fargo Bank, but your spouse mentioned Wells Fargo Bank a lot. We can send a subpoena there to Wells Fargo and find out if there's accounts there. So if you have some sort of clue to certain banks, your attorney could send a subpoena and find out. So that's one way. The other way we find out about hidden accounts is by taking the statements from the accounts that we know about, going through them and looking for transactions. There may be a transfer to an account at Wells Fargo. You see a transfer to another bank. You see a check written to another bank. We'll follow up with a subpoena to that bank. So it really is a matter of following that paper trail. Now, we talked a little bit earlier about it's probably good practice for anyone going through to, to do what you have in the divorce money guide. But if they don't, are there any like red flags that someone going through a divorce or even pre-divorce that would kind of send up a notice that, okay, there's probably assets either hidden, moved, transferred that, you know, can give them some inkling or notification that something's going on? There is a whole laundry list of red flags of fraud in a marriage, financial fraud. The most common one that I see is a significant change in behavior. When your spouse is maybe becoming more secretive about financial matters, maybe they're becoming more secretive over their phone, over their whereabouts, things like that. They're becoming more controlling. You used to have access to online banking and now your spouse has locked you out of it. Those kinds of things are really huge red flags that there may be something going on with the money. Now, a red flag is only a warning sign. It's not proof of anything. I could spend an hour going through all the red flags with you. Sure, there's a lot of them. Even if we take it a step further, so let's say they do uncover that there was some asset the spouse was hiding. What, what's the next step? What we're going to do is prepare the evidence of it whether that is certain transactions on a bank statement or credit card statement, whether that is other documentation that shows the existence of that asset and how it came to be. That will have to be put together. Uh, if you're doing this process yourself, you're going to bring these statements to your attorney, show them what you found, and the attorney is going to help you put together that proof so it can be presented in front of the judge so that you can get your piece of that. Now, if money has been spent inappropriately. Let's say your spouse spent $50,000 on an affair partner. Half of that's yours, right? 
how do you get that $25,000 back? Well, if there are bank accounts, investment accounts, you can get a larger share of those. If you have equity in the house that's being divided between you and your spouse, hopefully you could get a larger share of that equity, or maybe you could get a larger share of automobiles or a retirement account, things like that. So if there isn't money to reimburse you directly, hopefully in dividing some of these assets, you would be able to recover your share of those inappropriately spent funds that way. And if it's a matter of just an account that's been uncovered, hopefully you'll be able to get your half of that account as well. And we're we're talking a lot about assets and hidden assets, but do you see the other side of it where the divorce process starts, they're taking out loans or there there's some kind of liabilities and the other spouse doesn't even know about it, but they're having these liabilities or these loans in their name? Absolutely. I always recommend that people run a credit report on themselves as soon as they are thinking about divorce or if they're, as soon as they're in the divorce process, as soon as possible, run that credit report to see what debts are out there that your name might be associated with. What I've seen over and over again, unfortunately, is, for example, someone who's living in a home that they've owned for 15 years that they think there's significant equity in, and all of a sudden they find out that there's a home equity line of credit on it that has been run all the way up and there's really no equity in the Mm -hmm. house. So this is certainly a concern. There's a concern that there may be credit cards that you could be held responsible for and things like that. So it's absolutely an issue that I think merits some attention. Do you see things being uncovered or, or coming up down the road. So let's say the divorce is finalized and all of a sudden, whatever it's six months later, a year later, or some period in the, something, now they uncover it. Is there any recourse at that point to go back and get some claim to it? It is possible to reopen a divorce, but it is difficult. There's a pretty high bar that is set for reopening a divorce. So you're going to need some pretty solid evidence of fraud and deception in the process. The courts are especially reluctant when you have made a voluntary settlement of a divorce and you have agreed to certain things. It's nice if you can have something in your divorce decree that says if assets are uncovered later that you never disclosed, here's what's what happened to them. Uh, because then you don't have to reopen the divorce. All you have to do is go back to court to enforce this agreement. So what I see in some of these cases, if there are suspicions that the spouse still has a bunch of stuff hidden, the divorce decree says, if I uncover any accounts that you didn't disclose during the divorce, I get 100% of that. Now, of course, I like to think if the spouse isn't hiding anything, there would be no reason for them to say no to that clause, right? Because who cares? I don't have anything hidden. You're not going to get anything. But if they won't agree to it, hmm, maybe they have something hidden. That's a better way to go about it. But I don't think that that ends up in a lot of divorce decrees because people aren't even thinking about it. So yeah, that's an issue. Yeah. Now, if we talk a little bit about the divorce money guide, is it something truly that someone can do by themselves? Do they need to do it in conjunction with their attorney or a forensic accountant like yourself? No, it is 100% do it yourself if you want it to be. I've had... Plenty of people go through it and say, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't think it was possible that I could do this. I'm not even really that good with numbers, but you made it so easy that yes, I could do it. However, we also had feedback that there are people who would like support through the process. And so the free thing that I recommend is, do you have a friend or family member that you trust who might be able to help you who's good with numbers and walk through it with you? That's of course the easiest way. But 
for people who want even more support than that, I do offer a group coaching option to go along with the guide. So we meet once a week where I go through some of the material in the guide to give additional pointers on it, additional showing people how to do things, um, additional tips on where to look and things like that. And then we open up the floor for Ask Tracy Anything. So you can ask me anything about your divorce. If you found something and you want to know what to do next, or if you're stuck on a, you know, on a bank statement, you don't know what you're supposed to be looking for, I can help you with that. If you have a concern about an issue with the finances and you say, you know, I brought this concern to my attorney and he said, it's nothing to worry about. And I still don't feel comfortable. Do you think it's something to worry about? I'm happy to answer pretty much any question about the finances. And is there anything that happens post divorce? Because there's the stress of the divorce and like the stress and emotional aspect of going through it. But then now a lot of times you'll have one spouse who maybe wasn't as involved or involved at all in the finances. And now everything is on their shoulders to kind of figure figure it out. What are some tips, uh, maybe post-divorce on how someone can get back on their feet in terms of their finances? I am not sure if you already know the answer to this question or not, because I don't think you do. It it sounds like a setup, but this is not. Do you know that I have the post-divorce money guide? No. I did not. I'm not aware of the post-divorce money. I released the post-divorce money guide about three weeks ago to do exactly that. (laughs) There are all sorts of financial and legal things that you should do once you're divorced to what I'm focusing on in that guide. And it's a much smaller guide than the, than the divorce money guide. Uh, but it's focusing on protecting yourself after the divorce is over so that your ex can't meddle in your finances. So that, you know, all the things that might be easy for you and I, because we work in this financial space, you know, we might think about change the beneficiary on your life insurance policy so that if you pass away, your ex-husband isn't going to get that life insurance money. That's easy for you and I, but there are so many things to think about. The post-divorce money guide has, I think, something around like 30 different things that you need to consider doing once the divorce is final. And one of the things that we talk about in there as well is a spending plan for going forward. Because now that you're, you know, not married, your spending might look a little bit different. So let's talk about budgeting and spending and things like that. So absolutely, there are so many important things that happen after the divorce. And and so this is just one more tool to kind of help people gain some confidence, have sort of a roadmap for a measured approach to this kind of stuff. Yeah, I think that that roadmap helps a lot, especially in like thinking about it, because, uh, you know, there's so much uncertainty or so much chaos going on that the roadmap you know, especially in like an area like finance where someone may not have as much experience, I think it helps in having that blueprint kind of that they step by step they can follow and everything is not going to fit perfectly into a box and what they should do. But having that structure and having that organization definitely helps. Okay. So last thing I want to ask any just general tips, you know, someone going through this on how they can just set, you know, set themselves up on the bet for the best path going forward. I have so many tips. I could spend hours giving them to you. The first thing I like to focus on is protecting yourself. And that's, that's step one in the divorce money guide where we're talking about things like run that credit report on yourself. Get yourself a brand new email address to use for your divorce communications because with a brand new email address, your spouse won't have any access to that under any circumstances, even if by accident. And, and doing things like that. So think about protecting yourself. But when it comes to going through your finances, especially if you haven't been actively involved in them before, I say take it little by little. You don't have to understand everything about the money in one weekend, right? You can work through it 
little by little. Take it in smaller pieces. I think that makes it a lot more manageable. And again, if you need some support, need some help because you don't feel confident about working with bank statements or looking at tax returns, find someone who can help you, whether that is an accountant you've worked with before or a family member or friend who you trust to, you know, allow them to see some of your finances. And I know it's embarrassing maybe to have someone else look at your finances and let them into something that's so private like that. But if you can find someone that you trust who can support you in that fashion, it's sometimes really, really helpful, especially if you feel overwhelmed by the financial data. Well, we're just about out of time. Tracy, I want to thank you for being on the show today. You gave some great info on the financial aspect of divorce. How best can someone find out more about you, more about what you do, more about the Divorce Money Guide? They can go to divorcemoneyguide.com. That's where they will find the Divorce Money Guide. Uh, there's contact information on the site as well. So feel free to reach out with an email. If you're on social media, you can find me on Instagram. My handle there is Divorce Money Guide. And feel free to direct message me there if you like. I appreciate any reach out from anyone. I'll help you if I can. <laughs> Great. Thank you. We'll link to all that in the show notes. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. Thank you for listening to the Agent of Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Boutis Financial. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial planning and investment advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investments and financial planning.